Amen. 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 Good morning, everybody. Break every chain in the name of Jesus. Hey, hey, good to see y'all today. My name is Chris. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, shout out to Pastor Ethan. He is actually out in the, in the city right now um, as a part of one of our partner organizations, um, Vigilant Hope. They do a, a um, actually a, a homeless poverty type simulation. So but I don't, I don't, we don't even know where Pastor Ethan is now, but he's somewhere out in the streets of Wilmington and he's learning and experiencing um, what it's like for some of our people here in this city. Amen. Um, it's, it's, how, it's, it's what we're doing. And um, I love to be a part of a church that, that understands what it means to minister, to minister, minister to people. Um, even, th- even this month, um, Black History Month is something that we're doing here at our church that I'm sure ministers to many of you. There's been three things that we've been trying to accomplish. Um, one, we want you to learn because you don't know what you don't know. Um, this is how you bring awareness. We also want you to grow. We want you to grow in your, in your relationship with others um, as well as learning and, and getting some resources um, every week. And um, throughout our communications, we'll be actually sending out some resources that have been very helpful to me and, and to many other people um, so that you can continue to learn that way. But we also want to support. Um, we also want to support. We also want to, to show, we want to be intentional about the relationships and things that we build. And there's been a lot of broken relationships in this community. I don't have to go into detail about that, but if you know anything about this city, um, you know that, that we've been trying to repair um, broken relationships for quite some time. And one of the ways we can do that is by bringing this awareness and for you to see and, and the support. That's why in our lobbies, we'll have some of our vendors, um, some African-American-owned um, businesses here in the city, some wonderful people you should get to know. Uh, and it's why we do what we do. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, um, when it comes to being a multi-ethnic church, um, I'm just going to keep it real with you. There's usually three things that's going to happen. Like normally when you come in, um, there, there, there's probably, there might be something that's familiar. There's probably going to be something that's new. And there's probably going to be something that's going to make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Okay? Now, if you're uncomfortable, that means you're in a multi-ethnic church. <laughs> it means you're, that's how you know. Um, that's how you know. And, and, you know, and part of it is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, but also, not just that, it's rejoicing. Rejoicing when you feel uncomfortable. It's rejoicing when something is familiar to you. It's rejoicing when we're doing something new that has never been done before in our city. And I just want to encourage you, in all things, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Amen. So we're, we are in Church on the Move We've been on this series, and, and here's the thing. This church on the move, I, I don't know if, you, if you, you've been catching it, but if you ever read the book of Acts, you know, and I say this every time I preach in the book of Acts, the central character in this book is the Holy Spirit. It's like your, your, your church is not moving if the Spirit is not moving with you. If, 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 if the Spirit is not guiding you, even now, even right now, even as we're trying to talk, even as we're trying to, to bring the word to you, you're not moving, you know, and, and that's what we want to do. I want to be connected to what the Spirit of God is doing. Amen. So that's why we're here in this series. And, and again, I, I kind of been on this streak about going old school at the beginning of my sermons. And I ain't, again, I promise y'all I'm not trying to. It's just wherever the, the Spirit leads me. And it took me back to the 80s again. Jim, it took me back to the 80s. That was my childhood. I, you, know, I'm, I, you know, my adolescence in college was, was 90s. And I know 90s is real hot right now. People loving the 90s again. Uh, but the 80s is where I grew up, and it took me back to elementary school. Now, I don't know if 
where I was from because it's a little bit country if this is what we did. But one of the most exciting things that happened at the end of the year was field day. Oh, I got some amens in here. So amen. Field day. I mean, man, oh my gosh. The hundred yard dash. The softball throw. Y'all remember all that? You, you, you remember these things? You see, somebody about to preach my message. I heard you over there. Uh, I'm, going, I'm going somewhere with this. Now, here, here's the thing, you know, and, and this was like back when it was only first, second, and third place. Yeah. You, you want no participation stuff? And your, and your daddy was like, you better bring back first place. I got second place. That's first loser. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, yeah, praise God for some of the toughness and praise God for some of the stuff we need to learn too, right? Okay. But at any rate, you know, it, it was fun. But one of the team events, and I heard somebody say it, was tug of war. All right. And it was like class against class. And, you know, and it, and it used to be fun to watch because, you know, of course, you see some classes, you were just like, are they really in fourth grade? That don't look like <laughs> they look like they fifth graders, you know, and they play in this class with these little kids. And, and you know, and, and everybody, you know, the big kids like, yeah, we about to. We about to drag them, you know, that, that's what's about to happen, right? And you know, in tug of war, there's like a little rope, and once you pull somebody across a certain line, you know, you, you, know, you won. It's, it's, you got stuff going on on this side, you got stuff going on that side. Really exciting when we got to do tug of war, right? Now, here's the thing about tug of war. You know, if you know anything about tug of war, sometimes you would actually see the little kids beat the big kids. The reason why is because some people understood the strategies. It ain't just about just strength. It's about technique. It's about methods. It's about, it's the way you do things. There's certain little tricks you can do in order to, you know, defeat your opponent in different methods. Now, the reason why I wanted to bring up that example is because sometimes when you talk about tug of war, I feel like Christians are often seen tugging against one another. This side and that side. This side and that side. And I need you to understand it in the kingdom that should not be. There should never be Christians on one side tugging this way and Christians on this side tugging that way. Actually, Christians should all be on one side pulling this direction. Because in the kingdom, to be honest, it's those that are in the kingdom and those that are not in the kingdom. Okay? And even though we got different strategies for how what we want to do to pull we're on the same team. Yes. Now, here's the thing. Here's what's different, too, because I want you to get this imagery in your head. What we're not trying to do is defeat the people that's not in the kingdom. We're actually trying to pull them into the kingdom. We're praying for them. You heard a wonderful prayer today, the prayer that you didn't know you needed. You heard it today for the intercession of this city. Okay. And that's what we're trying to do. You, you can hear it. I'm trying to pull you in. I'm trying to, to pray you in. We're trying to, to fast. We're going we're gonna to serve you. We're going to outserve you. And we want to pull these people that aren't in the kingdom in the kingdom. So why are we being silly about all the different methods and strategies we need to use to pull these folk into here? You see what I'm saying? And here's the problem is that there are different methods and there are different strategies, but it should never cause division. So what I want to talk to you about today is, is simply this. I want to talk about keeping the main thing, the main thing. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. We're going to be right here at the end of Acts 15, and we're going to do all of Acts 16 um, here today. That's what we're going to do. Y'all with me? Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Now, let me give you a quick recap. Last week, Pastor Ethan preached a wonderful message about how Paul and Barnabas prevented 
division from happening in the church. Because what was happening is there was this message in the church that was saying Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation. And what these brothers simply said, no, Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We're not going to add, we don't need to add nothing to Jesus. He's Jesus all by himself. This gospel message preaches all by itself. You don't need to add nothing to it. You don't need to add your works to it. You can't, there's nothing, there's no good thing that you're going to do to be able to earn salvation. You know, you, the good stuff that you do as a result of your salvation, that ain't how it works. Even though I know that some of these things are good, some of these things are important, is Jesus plus nothing equals salvation, okay? Well, here's the thing. This week, what's very interesting is that we got Paul and Barnabas, the two brothers that were up here preaching this message to keep the church from dividing. We see them deal with something that's all the more common within circles that we in. It ain't division that they're dealing with. They're dealing with disagreement. Disagreement. And here's the thing about disagreement. I don't care who you are. You're going to deal with some disagreements. Every relationship, your marriage, help us, Jesus. Your parenting, help us, Jesus. And your job, help us, Jesus. With your roommates, help us, Jesus. I know, I know. You're going to deal with disagreements, and it's actually okay that you have differences and disagreements as long as those disagreements don't lead to division. Okay? So how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? Well, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. That's how you deal with it. All right? So let's look at what happens here. Acts 15, verse 36 says this. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Praise God for somebody that's going to check up on somebody. Somebody here, it's probably somebody you need to check up on that the Lord has poured on your heart. By the way, this ain't really part of the message, but you need to, you need to check up on them. Yeah. You need to FaceTime them. Don't text them. FaceTime them. Get, let them see you. Let them hear your voice. Let them hear you pray over them. If it's somebody that, that you've been waiting, you should go check on them. Amen? All right. Verse 37. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, my brother John Mark. But Paul thought best not to take them the one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Okay? And, a, and there, a sharp disagreement happened. Now, this word sharp disagreement here, in the original language, this almost means like explosive. It got bad. It, this, this was pretty bad, okay? So that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Thank God for grace. Verse 41, and he went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Now, here we go. Here we go. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, I remember the first time I read this as a believer, and I was like reading through this, and I was just like, Paul and Barnabas? Paul and Barnabas, these brothers just kept the church from dividing. Now they're in a disagreement and they're separating. I'm like, say it ain't so. Say it ain't so. Like, this is like Jordan and Pippin, all right? It's like Kobe and Shaq, right? Okay, that ain't working. Simon and Garfunkel, all right? 
Simon, I, you know, what, what, since it's Black History Month, this is like Lamont and Rilo. That's for my old school Sanford and Son people out there. Like, they always together. Like, they, they, y'all the team. Y'all like the dream team. What's up? What is, what is taking place? I don't understand. Here's what happened. Paul didn't want to risk John Mark quitting on him again, leaving, walking away from the mission. But Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement, who is also a blood relative to John Mark, <laughs> said, let's give his brother another chance. Let's get, you know, we can do something, you know, let's do a little something different here, you know. Now, here's the thing. Let me say this in, in, you know, in full disclosure. Two things. One, um, later on, as explosive as this is, as much separation as this caused, and as much drama as this disagreement that happened, um, John Mark goes on to be the author of the Gospel of Mark, which a lot of other Gospels would use as a resource to even write the other Gospels that you see right there. So, that, that, so John Mark was all right. And also, Paul spoke very highly of John Mark and Barnabas a little bit later. So just to let you know that like, it, won't, it, was, it got nasty, but these brothers, you know, they, they did what they had to do. All right, let me say that. All right? But here's the thing. One of them had this idea. The other one had this idea. Paul was like, man, I don't know. You know, you can try to do that. What, what, the mission I'm on, I, uh, we, we can't have it happen again. And Barnabas was like, man, and they go back and forth and all this good old stuff that's happening. Now, here's the question. Who is right? <laughs> who is right? Who is right? Let me tell you who is right. The mission is right. The mission was right. See, the mission has to become the focus, not the method, not even the people that's involved. The Holy Spirit has put these people on the trajectory for a mission since the beginning of this book. Jesus gave them that mission through the Holy Spirit, okay? This is what happened. So here's the first thing that you need to understand. Here's the first principle that you got to get. Here's something I hope you always get in any ministry you're a part of, in any group, especially when there's believers, is this. Methods can change, but the mission should remain the same. The methods can change, but the mission has to remain. We can disagree on how to reach people for the kingdom, but the mission itself can never be up for debate. It can never be. We got to unite around the mission. I've seen people getting crazy debates, and I'm like, y'all on the same team. You're on the same team. Listen, as a parent, that, that can happen, right? It's like, what, what we need to do with this kid, you know, what we know is that this kid is off and we need to figure it out. And then we get in a debate about like what we need to do. Let's keep the kid in mind. The kid needs Jesus. So we got to figure out whatever we got to do for them to get Jesus. Amen. That's what we got to do. I mean, even when it comes to sports, you know, I'm, I'm a Tar Heel fan. I, I just, I, you know, that's my alma mater. I can't help it. I paid a lot of money to go there and, and all that kind of stuff. But, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Roy Williams, one of the things that he used to do, and he was like one of the few coaches I've seen do this, if the five starters are out there and they're playing horrible, he pull all five of them out and sit them down on the bench and bring in the scrubs and let them, <laughs> and let them come up there and they'll be balling. And, and the dudes on the bench, you know what they better not do? They better not be over there moping. They better be clapping. They better be cheering them on and getting them, and they better get that stuff together. And then Roy's over there. In fact, while they out there playing, he's just sitting over there talking to people on the, on the starters on the bench the whole time. All right, because here's the thing. The mission is to win. Right. It don't matter who it is that's out there. You, you know, if they're going to get it done, they're going to get it done. And, and it, it's that mentality of like, we got to stay focused on what we got to do no matter who God is using 
No, you know, no matter what the different strategies are, that's what we got to do. And, and even when it comes to government, when, it, when a tragedy hits our country, the last thing we need is for people that are Democrats and people that are Republicans and independents to be sitting there trying to, 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 to talk politics to us. We got people that's hurting. There's a crisis going on. Can we come together and figure out how to make this thing work? Because the mission should be that important. Amen? It should be that important. And that's what, and that's what we saw happen right here. I, I, just as a personal example, I remember as a young man in, 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 um, when I first started out in ministry and a lot of the men in the church were a lot older than me and and a lot of times people wanted to talk about their strategy and then we wanted to reach young people. And one group of men said, hey, we need to, we, what we need to do is we need to be, have a prayer ministry for these young men. Like, okay, one other person said, well, well, I think what we need to do is we need to mentor these young men. We need to mentor them. And the other person said, man, we need to do some programs for these people. And I was like, and they were like going back and forth. And I was like, can't we do all that? We need to, be, let's do all that. We need, we, need to do, we need to do all those things. Listen, y'all warring against each other and we're on the same team trying to care for these people. Amen? Yeah. Dr. Ethan Welch, he says it like this. He says, he tells our staff this all the time, marry the mission, but date the methods. Marry the mission, but date the methods. Because when you marry the methods, when you marry the methods, you know what we call that? There's another word he made up, methodolatry. It's the idolatry of a method. Because you're, instead of being married to the mission, which is connected to the people, you know, you, what, what happened is you get married to a system. You get married to a strategy. You get married to a way of doing something. And then you idolize it and then you demonize everything else. Sometimes our methods need rehauls, okay? So here's all I'm asking y'all is this. Are you okay with setting aside your differences if it means that the people get strengthened by it. See, in verse 41, it said that the churches were strengthened. So even if you had a lot of issue before, if Paul and Barnabas got stuck on the issue, they, they would have never seen the church get strengthened. It's not about your point of view. It's about what your view points people to. Are you pointing them to the method or are you pointing them to the mission? All right, look at, we're going to jump into Acts 16. This is what I'm going to do. Rest of my time, I'm going to try to give y'all four. I'm going to give you four things that's going to pop up that you're going to see in how the mission uh, continues to be the main thing, how Jesus continues to be the main thing. You're going to see that over and over in here. So here we go. Verse 1 says, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra, a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. He was very well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. Now, wait a minute. Here's another point. I mean, I, I, you can't read through this and not have some problems. Uh, first, Paul and Barnabas, they, they, they didn't split up. Now, I'm like, Paul, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. The whole issue that was causing division in the last place y'all were in was circumcision. People were saying Jesus plus circumcision equals salvation. And you're going to get this new brother on your team, and the first thing you're going to do is circumcise a full-grown man. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> what in the world is going on here? Now, here's the thing. 
Paul made it very clear that circumcision was not necessary for salvation. Okay? Circumcision is not salvific, but it is strategic. It's a method. It's not the mission. Circumcision, like many other things, is a bad thing when it becomes an ultimate thing. It's a good, it, circumcision is fine, but when it becomes an ultimate thing, when it becomes a salvation thing, it becomes a bad thing. See, right here, Timothy was already saved. Timothy is already a believer. But being a good Christian doesn't mean he has to be a bad Jew. Timothy's mother was Jewish and his father was Greek. So y'all know what that means? That means the brother was biracial, okay? He was biracial. And to be honest, he, because of his father, for whatever reason, he has neglected his Jewish heritage. But now he's getting ready to go into a Jewish context, okay? He neglected his Jewish heritage, but now he's going into a Jewish context. So it made sense for this brother to do what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, which is, to become all things to all men that I may do what? Win some. Paul said to, to, to those that are weak, I become weak. To, actually, Paul said to the Jew, I become a Jew. And Paul was already a Jew. He said to those under the law, even though I'm not under the law, he said I become as one under the law to win some. See, Paul, this, this is the mindset that's taking place here. And that kind of leads to the first thing that I need you to understand and keeping the main thing the main thing. I want you to be a building block and not a stumbling block. Be a building block. Are you a building block? Why don't you think about your relationships? Think about all your relationships and all the different levels. Are you a building block or are you a stumbling block? When people are around you, this is how you know you're a building block. When people are around you, they get strengthened. When people are around you, they, 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 they feel closer to the Lord, not like they want to go and have to repent after they get finished talking to you. All right? This is what Paul is doing with his brother Timothy as he's teaching him how to be a leader in the church. This is, this is what's going to happen. And here's the thing. This biracial brother actually ends up becoming the brother of the Ephesus church. And how many of y'all know that there's probably not a more clear message of racial walls coming down than in the book of Ephesus. There, there was a literal wall in the church that had to be torn down that separated people. Um, that came out more clearly in this church. And this is the church that Timothy actually ends up pastoring. So let, let, let's look at the next challenge that we kind of see happen in chapter 16. Verse 6 says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having being forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Messiah, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, what you're going to see happen in verses 8 through 10, which I'm not going to read, they'll get a vision to go to Macedonia, to go to this area called Macedonia. And in this region of Macedonia, there's a place called Philippi, which we'll get to in a minute. All right. And the spirit is telling them, don't go here, but a vision came from a, a, a man saying, come here, we need you in this area. So here, here's, here's the takeaway. When we're on mission, we need to be open to the guidance of the Spirit. I can't say that too many times. You need to be open to the Spirit 
of the Lord. You need people around you that are filled with the Spirit, know the Spirit, and they can kind of tell you, hey, man, are you, are you hearing from the... We, I, what do you heard from the Lord? What is the Lord sharing with you? What is the Spirit of the Lord pouring in, into you right now? Okay? He says he desires to lead you. Okay? And here's the thing. Sometimes the Spirit says go. Sometimes the Spirit says no. All right? And, here, and here, here's the nugget you need to get. Sometimes what's good is not always what's best. It is a good thing that you want to go preach to people in Asia. Can we, can we establish that? Like it, that's a great thing that they wanted to do. They're, they're, where, 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 they're, they're being drawn to go to this place, but, the, but they're obedient to the Spirit, and the Spirit says, wait a minute, um, it's better for you to go here. And, they see, and we're actually getting ready to see what's going to happen. Now, verses 11 through 15 and verses 16 through 24, I'm going to summarize that to you because what happens in this, there's two women that become central to what's getting ready to happen. Now, I always thought it was funny because in the vision, there was a man that they saw calling out to them. But the first two people that they get to are two women. The foundation of this church in Philippi. Now, now the first woman that they run into is a woman named Lydia. Lydia is amazing. She's an entrepreneur. She's doing her own thing. She sells purple cough. She got a big old house. Her house is big enough that she houses. She houses Paul and Silas, and he's taking Timothy. And also, this is the first time we see Luke say we in here. So now Luke is joined this mission as well. So the author here was here for this. He's there. He's in the middle of all these things that are taking place, okay? So Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, they're all up in this woman's house, um, um, because she comes to faith in Christ. Now, here's, what, here's something else that's very important about her. She becomes the first European convert in the early church. We've been all through the Middle East. We're going to hit North Africa. We're going to hit all these places. The first European convert is Lydia right here. And, they, and, they, and she came to faith because they had a conversation right down by the riverside. Okay? Then, in verses 16 through 24, they run into a young lady on the streets of this city in Macedonia, in this, in this region. But this young lady, she's a servant girl. Some translation says she's a slave girl. So she's in this city, and here's what's happening with her. Now, this is very interesting. This is a very peculiar story, because we find out that she has a fortune-telling spirit. So somehow, she like, y'all remember Miss Cleo from, from back in the day? Somehow, I don't know if Miss Cleo was telling the truth or not, but somehow they're making a lot of money off this young lady because she is telling fortunes, okay? So when they get to the city, she rolls up on them, and now listen, this is what she says verbatim. She says, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Any lie in that? Any lies there? Is what she's saying right? Yes, what she's saying is right. That's why... For many days, many days, they're walking through the city. They're trying to talk to people. They're trying to spark up conversations. And imagine this girl screaming the whole time, saying this. She's saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. She keeps saying this, and she's saying this, and they're walking around. And then it says, Paul becomes annoyed because something ain't right. Something ain't right. And here's the thing. He didn't say he was annoyed with her. He was annoyed what was in her because Paul says, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And guess what comes out of her? A demon. 
a demon. Now, when I first read this, I was like, man, I said, wow. Because some of y'all might look like, oh, man, this person's demon oppressed and look at this young lady and all that. I thought about me. First thing I thought about. And here's something that some of y'all need to write down. Here's a very important thing right here because we talk about keeping the main thing the main thing. Do right for the right reasons. Do right for the right reasons. Because here you have, let's just keep it real, a demon inside of somebody speaking the truth. But even though it's speaking the truth, it ain't doing the truth. Because demons can't do that. Demons know who Jesus is. Demons got a lot of better, a lot of better the- theology than a lot of us. They know exactly who Jesus is, where he came from. They'll tell you, they, they, they'll tell the truth about him and everything, but they're not following Jesus. That's why James, that's why James said it in the book of James. He said, you believe, that de- do you believe that God is one? He said, the demons do too, and they shudder. Like they're like, ooh. That don't mean, what does that mean? Because here's the thing. God is more concerned, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we talk about disagreements. And in disagreements, what a lot of people want to do is they want to be right. They want to say what's right out of their mouth. And Jesus is more concerned not with you being right, but you being righteous. He wants you to be righteous. He wants you to be in right standing with him. He wants you to be right in right standing. Y'all heard me say this before. It's crazy to win an argument but not win a heart. What are you, what are you really concerned about? If you're going to keep the main thing the main thing, then you know how to, how to know even when things are good how to know what's best. You see what I'm saying? Y'all see the theme that's happening here? Like, you know, so I I don't have to win this argument. I ain't got to do that. I ain't got to do that. I'm good because I'm concerned about your soul. That's why Paul said, in the name of Jesus, and that that spirit came up out of this young lady. Now, here's the thing. We get to the climax of this chapter, and this is where I'm like, man, this this is amazing. Now, here's the problem. Paul wasn't just exercising the demon out of a woman. He was exercising money out of these dudes' pockets. And y'all know that money is the root to all kind of evil. And it was so evil in this case that they had them beat. I can't believe y'all bringing it. They called the message that they, they called freedom. This young lady got free from a demon inside of her. They said that they're, they're stirring up mess in the city. And you're doing this. No, nah, what it is, you, you, you know, you, 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 you've been abusing this young lady. You've been taking advantage of her. And now you can't do that no more because she's free. And now you're upset because that's now impacting your pockets. So they actually had these brothers beat down. They were beat down. These are Roman citizens in a Roman province that had not, they didn't go to trial. They, none of that. they just beat them down and they threw them in prison. This is called injustice, by the way. That's injustice. That's what's happening to these brothers. But look at what they do. Look at verse 25. It says, about midnight, (laughs) Paul and Silas were praying. Somebody said, late in the midnight hour. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And it says, guess who was listening? The people, which most of them probably were in there because they were probably supposed to be in there, maybe. But the prisoners are listening to them. The prisoners saw something right then. Even before we go any further in this text, I need you to understand, if you got thrown in prison because all you're doing is preaching freedom to people and you got beat down for it, you didn't even get no trial, ain't none none of that that stuff happened, and you're singing songs and hymns to the Lord, what do you think them prisoners are thinking when they see this? What in the world? Why these guys pray? They they say, you know what? This ain't lip service for them. This has got to be their lifestyle. They must really love this Jesus, right? 
And in verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Somebody say, break every chain. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped because guards knew that if it happened on your watch, your good is dead. But Paul cried with a loud voice. Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And I feel like I need to say that to somebody today. I feel like it's somebody here today that because everything in life is so connected to your heart, all your circumstances are so connected to your heart that when the earthquake hits, when everything rumbles, when everything shakes, when it crumbles, you crumble too. When it falls, you fall too. And you think there's nothing else to live for. Can I tell you right now? Do not harm yourself. Do not harm yourself. We are here. <laughs> we see you. We love you. We've been there. We want to see you come in. Let me tell you why you don't have to harm yourself. Because Jesus already took the harm for you. He already took it for you. Listen, there's no sin that he can't pardon. There's no pit that's too deep that he can't go down into. All right? There's no pain that he can't heal, that he can't deliver you from. He knows your pain. He knows your name. He knows who you are. And he's saying, don't harm yourself. Jesus was already humiliated so that we could be reconciliated. He He was forsaken so that you would never be forsaken. He was forsaken by God. Jesus was forsaken by God, y'all. I was talking to my daughter about this the other day. I said, he was forsaken by God. It killed him. He was was in the grave for three days. But God resurrected him. God poured all his wrath. He poured all his sins out on Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. See, Paul is about to offer to this brother for free what cost Jesus everything. Verse 29 says, And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said this. You heard this earlier today. Sirs, what must we do to be saved? And this is what they said. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You, not only you, but you and your whole household. Because the Spirit can do that. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in that house. And they, in that very same hour of the night, they washed their wounds and he was baptized at once. He and all his family. The spirit saved all of them. Then he brought them up into the house and set, before, set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household. He had believed God. Here, here's the last thing I want to give you. Here's the last thing. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. It's so simple. It's preach Jesus. We can't get away from preaching Jesus. We tell people a lot of things, but the first thing that came out of Paul's mouth was believe in the Lord Jesus. Yep, there's a whole lot of other stuff that's going to need to happen after that. But but it's going to start with believing in Jesus. We got a simple message, church. 
we got a simple message church I, 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 I feel sorry that some churches have gotten away instead of preaching Jesus you, they're preaching fill in the blank you fill in the blank but it's Jesus is the only one that saves in the remaining part of this chapter we see Paul and Silas do something similar to a sit-in they, they refuse to leave out of, out of this area out of this city without there being justice being done they said nope Y'all unjustly put us in this prison. You embarrass me as a Roman citizen and you're going to need to apologize and take me out of here the right way. And sure enough, they came and they apologized and they asked them to leave the city. So they got justice in the midst of that. They, they demanded justice from a secular government that was off. This is what happened. And here's why that was important. Because this was the foundation of a new church. And that church needed to be founded on them, on people in that city understanding that these people were actually in the right, that these people actually were godly, that these people were doing right for the right reasons, that these people actually knew who Jesus was, okay? So what ended up happening in the city is we see three different people in three different places coming to Jesus in three different ways. You see Lydia in her household. There was just a simple conversation in a Bible study. She was a God-fearing person, so she knew a little bit about the scriptures, and they had a little conversation with her, and then, and then it, it warmed, it changed her heart, and then she became a Christian. You see a servant girl who needed deliverance. She needed to come to the altar and be like, you know what? I need deliverance right now because what, what, what's in me is not right, and I, need, and I need to move forward. That's how she came to faith. And then you got this Philippian jailer. Guess how he came to faith? Through praise and worship sound. Praise and worship. They in there praising and worshiping. They sing the songs and hymns unto the Lord. Um, they, they, and this thing they know, freedom comes and it gives them the opportunity to preach Jesus. All different methods, but the same mission. So let me ask you a question right now. What method does God need to use to bring you and your family to him today? What does he need to do? Is it a conversation? Is it deliverance? Is it, is it praise and worship? If you don't know him today, we sang a song earlier called, Yes, Lord, yes. To your will and to your way. If you would agree and put your yes on the table, he can change you. And we're going to keep using all these different methods here in this church, all these different strategies, because we believe that God wants to save you. And if you're a believer and you're here today, I want you to think back to how God saved you. What did God use to save you? Was it a conversation? Was it deliverance? Was it in praise and worship? Did it come from sitting down with your grandma's feet? Was it somebody crying and praying over you? What was it? And I love what it says here in Jude, and I'm going to end here. He said, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, here's the thing. Here goes some methods. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. And others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Listen all different ways to approach people but all the focus is that Jesus comes into their life and then I love verse 24 and 25 I used to hear this all the time 
when we ended our time together in church, some people call him a benediction or a benny. Verse 24 says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of the glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, power, before all time and now, forever. Amen. Pray with me. Jesus, some of us are asking in our hearts right now, what must we do to be saved? What must we do to be delivered? What must we do to be free? And it's really simple. We want to believe you. So God, I pray today for those that are right down the edge of trusting and believing in you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you move and stir their hearts and draw them to yourself. Remind us of the day that we met you, the day that we we, we began to understand and, and bask in your presence and know who you were, that we knew that we were saved. Thank you for saving us from ourselves. Thank you, Lord. And I just pray right now, God, that you intercede and you intervene. In your name we pray. Amen.